Jason, welcome back to Leading and Serving. How are hey, you today? Thanks, Chris. It's good to see you, man. It's, it's good. good to see you, too. Merry oh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's so exciting. You feeling jolly? I, I'm trying. you trying? <laughs> I'm like, think, I know, like, I don't know if you feel this way, but every once in a while, it's like, just kind of catches you off guard. Like, I'm prepping as much as I possibly can. Right. Um, well, I have. Because right. this is now going to drop, like, right before Christmas. But there's still that level of... Do we have everything done? Are we ready for this? Like, right, right, right. Can we wait a couple more days? <laughs> I know, I know. The whole the whole joy factor is a little bit muted in a sense that we're at that stage where the pre-lit Christmas tree uh-huh. is not so much pre-lit as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're like, what do we do? This is so frustrating. You know, you want to get the decorations out, and, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we're... We're still kind of surely you're not putting your decorate. I mean, if this drops well, this like is, the twenty yeah, first. Like surely you're not yeah, just dropping. We're recording. We're recording early in December. But okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, we're 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 getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. So Good. by the time this drops, I will you know surely have your decorations up. We'll be full blown <laughs> Christmas music in the house, and yeah, you know everybody be wearing green and red, and okay, we'll tie some jingle bells around the cat's neck or something, right? You know, so that we just have constant jingling all through um, the house. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> he would hate it. Oh man! So our, our ta- cat is not known for being jolly. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. So anyway, for everybody else's benefit. That's though. right. That's but right. Got to give a little when you live in the yeah. house. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys have a merry Christmas. Yeah. Same to you and your family. Yeah. So what but, are we talking about today? Well, as we go into Christmas week, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got Christmas coming up just a couple days away. Right. When this comes down, so. Um, I, I learned an ex- uh, I went through an experience uh, this last weekend okay. that I learned a new a new exercise okay. and it's super simple it's not even it's not even hard to do um, but I want to tell you my revelation out of this first okay okay um, it's basically you you create two columns mm-hmm. you put something in the first column you a remembrance something that you remember okay. and what you learned out of that experience okay okay and I'm like oh super easy. You know, and, and a list that you can review and think, oh, this is, yeah, I learned this, I learned this, and this, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that was cool too, right? Right. Um, I realized that my natural inclination of making a list is out of my pain points. Oh. Like, oh, this was really rough, but this is what I learned. This was valuable out of that situation. Okay. Or life kind of, <laughs> life caught me. You know, it, it dealt me a raw deal, and uh-huh. but this is what I learned as I came through that. Okay, okay, those are probably the lessons I review more often. Mm. But this exercise is not to look at your pain points, not to look at those things. Okay, look at the moments of joy in your life. Okay, so what is what is an experience of joy, uh-huh. and what did you learn to be true or real, or you know, what shaped you out of that moment? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, for example, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna throw my son under the bus. Okay. Because this was just a great experience years ago. We were, oh, he was probably like middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so still in that younger teenage years where they love being with their parents. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, he, he's been great. But um, so we went to an amusement park, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a surprise thing where we took the kids and. You know, they were super into roller coasters at the time, which was just amazing, you know. And, right. Um, so my son talked me into waiting in the for the front car to be oh. the front seat. And it's one of those that the track is above your head, uh-huh. and you sit in the seat and your feet dangle, right? So oh, no yeah. sandals allowed yeah. kind of thing. Um, so we're on that, and we're, we're 
up the hill, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we waited extra long. My wife and the other kids were, were already done with the ride, right? right. They were, they'd already moved on to something else because we stayed longer to get the front seat. Mm-hmm. So we get to the top, and my son had been planning in his head, like, this is the greatest moment of our day. This is like the climax. And, you know, this was a surprise day, you know, of roller coasters and cool time with mom and dad and the kids, right. you know. And so we get to the top, and as we go over the top, right, on the, for the big drop, we're front car. I mean, there's nothing under us. I mean, right. it's amazing. And he goes, thanks, Dad. I mean, there's just this big bellowing thank you. And we weren't dropping yet. Because oh. <laughs> it's the front car. You have to hang over the peak. like For a couple seconds. For, to get the rest of the train over the top, right? Oh, yeah. And so he's just like, thanks, Dad. Hmm. I start laughing. He starts laughing. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been one of our longstanding jokes, mm-hmm. you know, of, of just, you know, like, thanks, Dad. You know, we, so I do it to him. He does it to me. You know, we remember the day that we were at the roller coaster at the park, right? right? That's awesome. That is a moment of joy. That we had right. a great time, wonderful laughing, great bonding, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but the lesson out of that that I learned Mm-hmm. Is that life does not always work the way you want it to, right? You know, because my son he planned this. Mm-hmm. He was ready. He's like, soon as we crest that peak, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my dad know I am thankful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we right. crest the peak, and it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. But if it had worked out, I don't think we'd remember it the way we do today. Mm. So sometimes life doesn't work the way we want it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works out better. That's awesome. And so. I was like, what a great lesson. Yes. And so in my first column, I put roller coaster, thanks, Dad. Right. <laughs> That's all I need to remember that moment uh-huh. and recall that moment of joy. I mean, I think, do you feel joyful at the moment? Yeah. Even just hearing the story, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, like, we're laughing, we're right. enjoying. I feel joyful. And I'm remembering that, you know what? Sometimes my plans don't always work out right. Right. But when they don't, maybe there's another opportunity there. Right. Maybe there's something we can salvage out of that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's even better. Right. And so, yeah, so that's the exercise. So take, so take some time and just put two columns together. Put a moment of joy. Down. And then what did you learn out of that? That's awesome. And, you know, and so I was on a weekend retreat. We took like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I thought of five different things. You know, going back, you know, even into childhood to um, when my, my wedding day, there was a moment there that I was just mm-hmm. completely overwhelmed. And right. my, my takeaway was, wow. I am loved. Not mm-hmm. only does this wonderful woman want to marry me, <laughs> right. but look at all these people. Right. You know, and my in-laws love me. I mean, good grief. You know, I mean, right. I was blown away. There was just this one particular moment that I just remember that, and it will stay with me for the rest of my days. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I do this practice. I mean, as yeah. you're going into Christmas, ask your family. Maybe maybe that's a great thing to share around the right. yeah around the, around the table dinner table right? or something like that hey around make yeah. a quick little list or just, just come up with one yeah throw you on the spot you got anything in, that you're thinking of i mean you just ran through a couple of them that i was like oh yeah i was like my wedding day would have been would have would have been a big one i was in awe and then mm-hmm. um when the kids were born i mean like yeah. the, that at that moment absolutely I, my wife asked me a question and i still didn't answer it I remember that. I remember that very clearly. Yeah. But the joy that, you know, from having um, both the girls, like it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is very joyful. Very, yeah. one of those moments you just kind of takes your breath away. Right. 
Right. And and know that in that first column, it doesn't have to be the big momentous moments. Yes. It's the I mean, like <clears throat> one of them for me is um our our daughter Eva. Mm-hmm. Um she yeah, long story to her medical history, but uh, we fostered her and adopted her. But when she smiles, we know it's absolute pure joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that good. there's nothing there's nothing filtered in her life. I mean, she is it is pure, mm-hmm. and so when she laughs, when she smiles, it just brings us huge joy. And so it's those little things, mm-hmm. you know the <laughs> the time when um, uh, a whole family was at our house. We were pretty young in our marriage. Um, my aunts and uncles, my grandmother, my parents, and my grandma opened a Pepsi two liter mm-hmm. and it hit the ceiling. Oh, wow. I mean, not the bottle. The, yeah, know, right. Like somebody put Mentos somebody in the Coke it. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was all over my uncle. And oh, my goodness. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. Right. <laughs> so what put something that moment of joy. Those mm-hmm. silly things, those moments where you just truly felt joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. And what did you learn out of that? Yeah. And what a great list to review. I can tell you one that just happened last night. Okay. Just side side note, I took my daughter driving. She got her permit oh, yeah? on Saturday. Nice. And so last night she was like, hey, Dad, can we go for a ride? And I was like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we have that initial moment of tension. You're not but, sure if this is going to be joy. <laughs> right. But then quickly turned into, I was like, okay, Chris, just relax and listen, and, you know, watch what she's doing. And, mm-hmm. and I was able to praise her for several things. That I was like, good job. Yeah. You, you're doing a great job. And I think that that brought me joy because it was just like, I'm impacting her. Right. And that, right. that always feels good to me. Yes. And just yeah. being able to raise our children. Yeah. So um, what did you learn in that? I learned I probably need to be a little bit more patient and just let her learn through life a little bit and just maybe encourage through life a little bit. Okay. Be patient. Don't let learning, uh, you don't have to control the learning experience. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So it's good. So imagine having this list of joy and what you've learned. Right. And reviewing that periodically, quarterly, yearly, whatever, right? Whatever, yeah. Um, but what a great week this week. Yes. To sit down, list your joy. And what you've learned out of it. Mm, that's good. So. That's real good. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. I like that the a Lord lot. Lord has come. Yeah. yeah. So um, we got an interview. We do. Yeah. So don't so, don't go off and start rapping. Well, I mean, you could rap Christmas presents you could. while you're while you're listening to this. So yeah, totally enjoy. So tell us who we got. So coming. we have D, Dr. D. Bonnie, um, and that is his first name and his last name. <laughs> that's right, D. Bonnie. <laughs> Um, and he is from Alpha Omega um, Wellness, mm-hmm. and he is the doctor there. And he is—he's got a lot of neat things going on, and um, I am super excited about him sharing those with us. And um, he's doing a lot of neat things in the doctoring world, as cool. well as growing in that workspace. Yeah. So, right on. I'm looking forward to chatting with him about that. All right, listen to the interview, and then go make your list of joy. Yeah. All right, we'll be back with you here in just a moment. Hey, Dr. Dubani, how are you today? I'm great, man. How are you doing, Chris? Great. Thanks for joining us today and taking some time out of your busy schedule. Um, I am super excited to chat with you and looking at some of your um, things that you've gone through. You are starting a new practice. Um, Well, it's not new, but it's been around for a while, but it's moving. Yeah. Um, So give us a little bit of heads up on what exactly you do for starters. Okay. So... um 
I'll start with what we do now. So we do a membership model for healthcare, um, basically like a gym membership or a Netflix subscription. So people pay us a monthly fee, and then whatever they need in any given month, we just take care of it. So there's no office visit, no copay. We don't run insurance. And so that's kind of where we are now. I'm also a functional medicine doctor, so we also can do functional medicine appointments, which is... <laughs> you know, for the people out there who don't know what functional medicine is. So that's more of like root cause medicine. So really dialing in on, you know, if you've got a entire array of weird symptoms that no one else is figuring out, you go see a functional medicine doctor and they actually look at your life all the way back to prenatally. Really? How was your mom's health? Were you born hmm. vaginally or by C-section? Were you breastfed? All that can affect like gut health. How many times were you on antibiotics as a child? So that's really a deep dive to figure out you know, kind of an entire constellation of symptoms. So I took mm -hmm. my wife to see a functional medicine doctor earlier this year because she, at the age of 31, had a heart cath the day after Easter. Mm. And as it turns out, he was able to discover that that was from mold illness in her body. Conventional medicine would say, well, that doesn't actually exist. Okay, okay well, that's fine. Well, we've lived it. So right. whatever you say, it actually right. does. And so now that we've had our house remediated, she's markedly better. So that's mm. kind of that functional medicine. But really, um, I've been an ER doctor for over 25 years. Mm -hmm. And four years ago, we opened up our first office in Greenwood at the same location we're at right now as a faith-based opiate addiction treatment office. And so you'll find out there in the addiction space that there are faith-based programs that are like, well, you know, we'll talk about spirituality and what we don't prescribed medicine, we don't think you should be on medicine. And then there's the secular programs that are like, well, here's some medicine to help treat your withdrawal and your addiction, but you go figure out your faith. Like, we're not addressing that. It's oh. your higher power, whatever that is. And so right, right. I had my own opiate addiction 18 years ago. So about four and a half years ago, Megan and I, my wife and I were talking about opening up a business. And I said, well, hey, what if we actually prescribed medication to treat opiate addiction, but everything that we did was on a foundation of faith. And so that was actually how our office started. And so that's why we named it Alpha Omega Wellness, because Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And uh -huh. so we wanted to just lead with that, put it right yeah. out there. We're not burying it. Uh -huh. Right. You know, right. I actually had a um, uh, person who I used to work with reached out and was like, hey, I need some help. Um, but I'm Jewish, can I still come to your office? And I'm like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you don't have to believe how we believe. We've had atheists come get wonderful treatment, but we're just not politically correct when it comes to burying our belief that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So if that's offensive to you, we're probably not the place for you, but right. if you can accept that we're not going to cram that down your throat... Right. Then and we're not going to change it. Yeah, yeah. So we're not watering it down and said, well, whatever your higher power is, mm -hmm. right? So all of our addiction groups are led just from that worldview. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then about two years ago, I was really burned out in the ER. Um, and honestly, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like God was kind of squeezing me, making me feel uncomfortable. Like, mm -hmm. your season here is done. I have other plans for you. Oh, that's good. So my wife said, I don't know, I think it was like July or August, uh, two years ago. She goes, well, just give your notice. Be done at the end of 2020. 
and we'll just figure it out. We'll make our office work. Well, as soon as I decided, okay, I'm given my notice, I'm done. I'll still work like one week in a month and keep my foot in the door, but like this is not our source of income. And we were really, like our office was only in the black by maybe two or three grand a month, like not family sustained, not, not physician income. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So it was a complete leap of faith. But as soon as we decided to do that, I, um, my brain kind of went into this out-of-the-box thinking of like, oh my gosh, like how do we actually make money here? Right. And I remembered that I had a friend that did this membership model in uh-huh. healthcare, and so I reached out to him to kind of find out what he did. He's down in Knoxville, and so my wife's a very tactile learner, so she wanted to go and see his practice, and so that's when we decided, hey, you know what, we could, I don't want to say pivot, we could expand. We still do addiction really well, but we could expand to do primary care and urgent care work uh-huh. in our office as well, and that mm-hmm. would be a separate revenue stream from trying to market to people who first have to admit that they have a problem. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that could be challenging, whereas everyone needs health care to some degree. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I would joke with uh, guys in a group that I lead actually at our office before we decided to make the leap. I would tell them, I'm like, hey, I want to do this office full time, but apparently God disagrees with me. Because mm-hmm. what I wanted was I wanted my physician income to be matched by the office income, and then I wanted it to walk on concrete steps from one side to the other, right? <laughs> which requires no faith. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's and, like, true. Looking back, I think God probably the whole time was like, "Hey, I'm ready, but if we're going to do this, you are literally going to trust fall into my arms, mm-hmm. and you're going to show me that you believe that I'm here with you. Right, I'm not just going to you know let your clinic make all this money." And you don't have to demonstrate any faith. It's an easy move, and you feel like you did it. <coughs> right, right. So, That's yeah. a good call. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's been an interesting ride. Yeah. Um, I know in 2021, our household income was one-third of what it was in 2020. Oh, wow. So, but I tell you. Is, um, that, is that the trust fall? That's the trust fall. That makes, <laughs> and, yeah, it truly is. And, you know, it's like, even if that income never came up, like, uh-huh. I'm the healthiest and happiest that I've been in my adult life, Mm. probably in all of my life. And so really, like, it's a joy to go to work every day because I I get to connect with people on a different level than just seeing them in the emergency department for their ankle sprain or their belly pain or their heart attack or their migraine. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just God's busy at our office. So That's awesome. Yeah. So just... I'm glad you, I wanted to, you to start there because I think that we need to know where you're at right now and just give us some hindsight on past years. Have you always wanted to be a business owner or was this like you were in the doctor being a doctor and very successful at that, but like shifting to a business is a whole nother added avenue. So I think I always had entrepreneurial tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up doing martial arts and at the age of not quite 16, I rented some space in a church and started my own karate school. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I remember I wasn't quite driving yet when mm-hmm. that first opened. And so it basically, I made enough money to make my car payment. Like, right. you know, and so then there weren't a lot of business ventures, but um, the venture that almost killed me was like 2000, what was it, like 2002, 2003, um, 
my first wife and I and another physician and a physician assistant opened an urgent care down in Southern Indiana. Oh, wow. And we didn't know what we were doing. Like we were, the three of us were like in healthcare and didn't know anything about running a business. Mm -hmm. So we leased this 5,000 square foot space. I had like a, I forget, it was like a three or 400 gallon saltwater fish tank we put in the lobby. We, <laughs> I paid, we paid, and it wasn't our money, right? Cause we got a business loan. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, you know, it's the bank's money. <coughs> we paid a uh, mural artist to paint like this seascape scene behind the reception desk. And we had two pediatric rooms that were each painted differently by this mural artist. And mm. mm -hmm. I bet it was gorgeous. Yeah, and foolish. <laughs> and honestly, like that's how my opiate addiction started. Really? So there were opiates in our house. We won't have to go into that, but right. there were opiates in our house. And I was having a hard time sleeping because I had put everything that I had saved into the business once we mm -hmm. blew through the bank loan, mm -hmm. right? Gotcha. The line of credit. And we weren't getting revenue coming in. And so I'd wake up in a cold sweat at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, like, how are we going to make payroll Friday? Because, you right. know, employees don't like to volunteer. Right. So, like, mm -hmm. if you don't make payroll, it's kind of game over. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you don't have a business to sustain. Right. And so I thought, you know what? I always tell patients in the ER, don't drive after you take Vicodin because it can make you sleepy. And I thought, well, there's Vicodin in the house. Maybe I'll take that and it'll help me sleep. Mm -hmm. And it was really good sleep. And then mm. I found that if I took it during the day, it made the day a little lighter. Mm. Like it mm. wasn't, if the day was going to be a 50, it became like a 70 or 75. Mm -hmm. Not a 100, not a 120. Right. right. Just lighter, right? So the problems mm. weren't as heavy. Mm. And then I remember driving along I-64 in Louisville, going past the Galt House one day, and I felt kind of nauseous, kind of chilled, goosebumps, achy. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then my eyes got as big as saucers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, this, I can't be in withdrawal. I don't take that much hydrocodone. I've not taken it that long. And I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. As it turns out, I could be in withdrawal because I got home and I took a hydrocodone and within 15 or 20 minutes, all those symptoms went away. Oh, wow. So wow. then you're, then you're on the hamster wheel. Yep. Right. And so, um, eventually we found out about a medicine called Suboxone that had not been around very long. And we prescribe that at our office now for opiate addiction. It is itself mm -hmm. a long acting opiate, mm -hmm. but basically it gets you out of withdrawal and you're not high. Mm. And so it really is a godsend. Um, hmm. It's I'm not going to say people can't abuse it, but honestly, like when you get to that point, you're really just taking opiates to not go through withdrawal. Right. It's not right. about having fun. It's not even really about the day being lighter. Right. It's about like, I need to be able to function. I don't want to be sick. Right. Right. Because it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. And so um, the um, went to the Suboxone prescriber for about... I don't know, five or six months, and then he fired us because we weren't going to NA meetings. Mm. So I literally was one of those guys that had like three or four tablets left, and I'm like breaking them off and seeing how long I can make a fourth of a tablet last before I have to take another one. Mm -hmm. So literally did like right. a rapid wean off. And oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So 
Wow, that, yeah. that is an interesting story. And then I think it was like a month later, I was sleeping after an overnight shift. And um, my first wife came and woke me up. Like, why are you wait? Like, it's hard to sleep during the day after an overnight. I had to go work again that night. And I'm like, what? why are you waking me? She goes, the DEA is here. And I'm like, what? Yeah, the DEA is here. Here's what I tell her. Well, tell them that I'm sleeping. I worked overnight, and I have to work again. To, like, I'm sleeping. She goes, they're in our living room. I don't think they're going to take that for an answer. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So I got to have a very uncomfortable conversation with the DEA about diversion and writing scripts. And, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that so that 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 but that business is kind of what propelled you into a position that you kind of felt like you needed it. I really I really think so. And, you know, I mean, now looking back, um, I mean, I wanted to unplug because life right. was hard. Right. And, you know, our philosophy at our office <clears throat> is that trauma is the gateway drug for a lot of people. And I didn't have it that bad. I mean, right. we have a lot of people who've been through sexual abuse and, and all sorts of stuff. And right. so for me, it was like, I found a way to try to get a little temporary relief from life being hard mm -hmm. rather than developing the skill set that we need to be able to handle the storms of life, mm -hmm. right? right? To have that peace that passes understanding that Paul talks about in Philippians four. Mm -hmm. Like I was a Christian, people can't see me doing the air quotes, but you know, I didn't have that relationship with Jesus. I wasn't, I just thought life was hard and right. you got to figure it out. And so, you know, we can, we can sell ourselves on any idea. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Completely I agree. remember thinking, well, I mean, I take a hydrocodone tablet, like somebody smokes a cigarette. It just takes the edge off. It's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. We can sell ourselves on any idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, from that business, obviously, it didn't go well, right? Right. I mean, did it tank or? And no, I mean, um, I kind of like exited stage left, okay, and just kind of left one of the owners there to kind of run. It. He ended up selling it to another business at some point, and I lost a hundred grand on that that Ouch. I'll never get back. Right. Um, wow. But I just say that that was my. Um, my PhD in business. Right. I was going to say, so what, what's one of the big learning tools that you walked away? I mean, cause that obviously it wasn't, didn't go as well as you thought it was going to. So you obviously learned something through yeah. the mix, right? So I think, you know, not having the hubris that you know it all mm -hmm. for one, mm -hmm. um, definitely seeing the advantage of trying to do life more of the Dave Ramsey way. We're not mm -hmm. completely debt free, but we're working towards that. And, and truly like, dumping a lot of debt is what has made it even possible at all for me to step away from the ER and just focus on our business. Because we were at a point that was like, this isn't going to grow until I can feed and water it. Right. You know, and you only have so much bandwidth. Right. And so, yeah, so that was a huge learning point. And then just not, not using debt mm -hmm. to start a business, grow a business. I mean, we took money that was ours and and seeded it with i mean i don't know ten twenty thousand dollars and you make decisions differently you do when you're not using a bank line of credit and mm -hmm. you're not using investors it's like okay and we still we can look back and see where we've put money at things that didn't pan out but mm -hmm. we don't pay on them ad infinitum mm -hmm. because it was debt yeah you know and so i know dave ramsey always talks about how <laughs> A lot of his ideas, they don't pan out, 
mm-hmm. but he doesn't pay for them over and over again. Right. right so right. I think that's been a huge thing. And then, honestly, like we started that urgent care to make money and right. to get out of the ER. Mm-hmm. And I'm a capitalist. I'm not opposed to making money. Right. But Megan and I have never made decisions in this business based primarily on the financial aspect. Like, mm-hmm. it is a factor in how we decide to do the business. Right, sure. But it is never the factor. And it's never the factor when it comes to how we take care of patients, how we love on patients. And um, so, I mean, I think that was part of it. And then, really, I, I think I learned a lot about myself when I got forced to go through an IOP, an intensive outpatient program, when once the DA, DEA came to my house. Um, you know, I had discussions with them and had to enter into an agreement that I would basically do what I should have been doing all along. Like, only write, they wanted me to give up my DEA. And by the grace of God, I talked them out of that. Wow. I'm like, I use this in the emergency department to help people with pain. Like, I have to be able to have this mm-hmm. somehow. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I was able to keep that. They're like, okay, enter into this memorandum of agreement where for five years you're going to keep track of who you write to and you're only going to write for people that you have a doctor-patient relationship with, which is what I should have been doing all along. Right. Mm. Some community service. And then they're like, and we're going to notify the uh, state attorney general of Indiana. I'm like, please don't. I lost that one. (laughs) So when I ended up in the physician assistance program, um, you know, I like, I hadn't taken drugs for, I don't know, two or three years. I'm like, this is stupid. But I learned so much. I learned so much about being codependent. Mm. And it was really a good opportunity to introspect. And I think that I I grew a lot through that. Right. Um, And it just helps me see people differently. And I think that that's one of the things that helps when we have people come to our office with addiction issues. I share that story with them that I had my own issues 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I get immediate street cred. Right. You know. That's exactly right. And so it's crazy that something back then that was so full of shame and guilt, trying to get treatment under the radar, which I don't know about you guys, nothing I do ever stays under the radar. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's kind of a gift from God. (laughs) Right. I don't get away with much for very long. Right. Which is good. And if you come to terms with that, it's so much more comforting. Right. Like, but if you try to fight it, it's right. so much more oh, yeah. like a headache. And so, uh, so yeah, so, <laughs> you know, like going through the, the IOP, you just start learning. I had such hubris when I showed up at the IOP. They were like, you know, introduce yourself while you're here. And I said this. I said, well, I'm here because uh, I used to have a dependency on opiates, and I'm here to get some education. I wasn't an addict. Like, I wasn't going to say that. Right, right. Right, I was dependent. And so it's so funny to look back at me several iterations ago and just see, like, okay, wow. Right. <laughs> I was <just> clueless. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, it's quite a journey. that from Oh, the, right, that huge. You, you learned a lot. Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, there's other things that have happened in life, but I think one of the gifts that I see that God has given me is at our office, I'm able to be super relational with people mm-hmm. that still have really good boundaries. So this need to please other people, this need to be liked, mm-hmm. he's kind of stripped that off of me. Which Now, I don't like confrontation, right. and I want people to like me, Right. But when it really comes down to it, if I set a good boundary that I know is because I care about you, right. and you're upset at that, I it, can shake that off pretty good. Right. And I don't compromise my 
my integrity or my boundaries. So mm. honestly, when you get to that point, when you get to that point where you figure out good boundaries and what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, there's a lot less gray in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole COVID thing, right? I get patients who are like, hey, can I get a mask exemption or an exemption from the vaccine or whatever? And I'm just like, listen, if I can document that you get a rash from the mask or if I can find something medical, I'm happy to do that. Otherwise, we're not just doing exemptions. Like, I'm not getting in the middle yeah. of that. Right. Yeah. I can go pick it with you and whatever, but, like, we're not using my license to say, well, Chris shouldn't have to wear a mask or Chris's kids shouldn't have to wear a mask at school. Right, yeah. It's like, and my wife is like, she goes, oh, you're better at that than I am. I'm like, I've just seen the slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be sitting in front of the Center Grove School Board going, so, doctor, why do 35 kids in our school district have a mask exemption from you? Mm. Right, and that's where it leads. Right, yeah. So when you shore up those boundaries... You're like, okay, I mean, if you're mad at me for that's okay. You're right. allowed to be, but right. that's not on me. Like, right. <coughs> I'm trying to walk with integrity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And they're not worried about that at that moment. No. You know, truly, like, I feel like those moments are also the moments that are just fleeting. Like, they also they come and go. Right. Right? So it's right. like, this is what I need for this moment. Right. And mm-hmm. and then they're mad at you, and then the next moment they're like, "Hey, by the way, I also need this." Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, I mean, because you know, sometimes I've had addiction clients that were like, "Hey, I just need some Xanax. I'm really stressed," and and I'm like, "No, like I'm not gonna write that for you because I believe that's harmful." But you don't understand. I'm not writing that for you. We can try some other stuff, but right. I'm not writing mm-hmm. you for a controlled substance mm-hmm. for your anxiety. Like, and it it really tends to work out you know i think people if they know me at all then they've seen my heart when i Mm -hmm. take care of them in the office they know i'm not trying to be a jerk right you know i'm literally like i have to make decisions for what's best for you even if it's not what you want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes it is yeah yeah i'm curious you mentioned a couple of uh, things along the way um the big question is what is the role of owning our own junk in Uh, the process of growing so i I mean, there's been instances like from your entrepreneurial journey of owning, yeah, yeah. That, that was gorgeous, but it was foolish. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Own your junk yeah. or, you know, opiate, just yeah. going, you know, I'm just here for the education. Right. No, I, I got to own my junk. Yeah. Or even, you know, like the anxiety side of things of, you know, just owning where we're at and where yeah. we're going, you know. So how does that, I mean, as you've seen through the recovery process and some of the people you've worked with in your own life, what is the value of actually owning your own junk in that journey? Well, I think it's priceless because, you know, I, I, I grew up going to church, and, um, but I never really had a relationship with Jesus. And so I've, I've shared this on YouTube. It's not new information. Um, so Megan's my third wife, and we started as infidelity. So she was an ER nurse, 19 years younger than me, uh, worked in the ER together, and not proud of that, you know. And so, ended up um, divorcing my second wife. Uh, she was actually pregnant with our third child when mm-hmm. this affair started. And so, I was a jerk. Now, I wouldn't have seen it back then. I would have been like, "Well, this is your fault because of how our relationship was," right. you know. Mm-hmm. And then it was five and a half years ago, so not quite two years into this marriage that Megan came to me 
Um, and she's like, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay, yeah, what's up? I just felt like a little puppy dog. Like, our son was like nine months old, and we went um, back to the bedroom to have a conversation, and she goes, I, I cheated on you. And I'll tell you, that hurt a lot more hmm. when hmm. I was the recipient of that. And so um, literally come to find out, we were at least plugged into our previous church enough that I had the pastor's cell phone number, one of the counselors, I texted both of them, and the pastor came over, talked with both of us separately together, prayed, got us plugged into some Christian counseling. And, uh, you know, I'm at this place where I'm like, okay, so is this going to be the death of my third marriage? Like, my children, who weren't birthed by Megan, adore her, mm-hmm. right, because she's actually a really good person. Um, come to find out, we've been going to church for almost two years. She was still an agnostic. I didn't know that. Mm. Now, why didn't I know that? Mm. Because we never talked about God at home. That's weird, mm. you know? And so we just went to church mm. and then did life, you know, our way the rest of the time. Right. Maybe prayed out loud before meals if all the kids were there. But otherwise, there was no prayer. There was no, you know, daily quiet time with God. Definitely not together. And so, really, that's when we went on this spiritual journey um, of getting to know our relationship with Christ. And within a week, she went from an agnostic to all in. Mm -hmm. In fact, she was having quiet time in our bedroom a week later to the day. I was on the back deck with the boys, and she texted me, hey, can you come in here? That whole week... um, she hadn't really been crying. Like, why aren't you crying? Like, I'm weeping. I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, I've done all my crying before I told you. And so I find her, like, weeping and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm. She told me later that that was when she realized that she had a relationship with God. She was forgiven. She was covered by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we started to figure our stuff out, right? So that was right. kind of her conversion moment. But I say all that to set up this. For like six months, I was still like, why me? Why did that happen? Like, because we hadn't grown apart, Uh right? She was just putting attention in that God-shaped hole in her heart. Uh We hadn't grown apart. Uh, There were still photos of us on date night, and I was still doting on her. And I was actually putting her up on a pedestal because she's beautiful and 19 years younger than me, and I thought I was hot stuff. And and then about six months later... I'm driving home, and I think I must be thinking about this. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit's like, uh, hey, yeah? Didn't you leave your previous wife for this person that you knew was capable of infidelity? Oh. Oh. <laughs> so now what you're telling me is this pain that I'm going through is a product of my bad decision, my sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't take responsibility. Of, she's still responsible right. for what she did, right. but now I'm sleeping in the bed that I made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that was just one of those times when I'm like, okay, I have to own this, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not a victim. Right. See, anytime we have that victim mindset, we don't heal, we don't get better, we're powerless, right? Mm, that's good. And I think that for me... You know, I hadn't found the path to not being a victim in this because I hadn't mistreated her. We hadn't grown apart, right? And so I just 
But once that came to me, it was like, oh, okay. So now when this hmm. pain flares up or something triggers that, yeah, I still got to deal with that pain. Right. But I can, if I go back enough steps, I'm complicit in this. Mm. You know, same thing with the failed business. Mm -hmm. And so, but I'll tell you what's happened. <clears throat> now I've become a man that I would want my five boys to grow up to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to talk to them about owning your crap. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. Which like, is huge. Yeah, like when a sports figure does that, like I'll point that out, and then I just talk to them about like, listen, own your mistakes. Yeah. Like just lean into them, just accept them. Mm -hmm. If we ask you about something that happened, say, yeah, mm -hmm. I did that. Mm -hmm. And because we can't grow, like nothing grows in the dark. Right. Fungus. Right. 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 Mold. Yeah. <laughs> but you need you need you need these things brought to the light. So I mean, I think to answer your question. That's really what my journey has told me is like I need to own my part of it and then some mm. really because mm -hmm. if we look deep enough we probably are responsible for more than what we would initially say. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know I think that's helped me a lot to be the person that I am now it's like and I find that since I had a relationship with Jesus and I've learned how to introspect and grow now a lot there's still pain in life, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot less of it is at my own hand. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like life is still hard. Right. We live in a broken world. Right. right. It's but right. at least I'm not dealing out my own pain mm -hmm. in spades anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. That's good. And not leaving a wake of pain behind me. Mm -hmm. um, Henry Cloud, I think it was Henry Cloud, wrote a book called Integrity, and he talks about that we all have a wake behind us. We have like mm -hmm. a personal wake and a business wake. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that I do if I'm gonna try to get into a business relationship with someone is I try to figure out, I try to vet, what's their wake look like? Mm -hmm. Like now, yeah. with the understanding, my wake now is a lot different than what it was eight years ago. Right, right, right. Right, so people can change. Totally. And you know, what we went through in our marriage prompted me to go back to grad school to work on my master's in pastoral counseling Still three credits shy, but I've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love being able to help people with their relationships. And we, Megan and, our, uh, Megan and I are able to help people. And I would normally say, don't take marriage advice from a dude on his third marriage, but for God. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. what he has taught us and where we are, because now today we have a relationship I'd put up against anyone's. Mm. Hmm. pastor, counselor, Billy Graham, whatever, like Megan and I <laughs> stay in this place of like keeping each other's cups filled, mm -hmm. right? Our kids say that we fight with love because we're like, no, you're not going to do that for me. I'm going to do that for you. Like we try to outsource <laughs> each other. <laughs> that's awesome. You know? And so that's not, we did not have that before five and a half years ago. I mean, I would have said we had a good relationship, I thought, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what we could have. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know? And so, so. Yeah. In, in some of that, you've explained a lot of great paths that's brought you to your current role. What is some of the things that you see on the horizon for your business as you continue to try to grow and understand it better with these things going on? So learning from these things, especially like the whole owning your stuff and teaching other people. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I guess I just I kind of sit in awe at what is happening 
in our business uh, because we're just seeing such growth in the people who have come to us to work for us. So mm -hmm. like there's really like a big skill set coming together um, to be able to provide really 360 degree wellness care for people. We have right. pastoral counselors on the staff that can unpack issues with with clients one-on-one. -on -one. We do group counseling for addiction clients. But I mean, so we're physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. We can address all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think when it comes to like owning our issues, one of the things that Megan and I are constantly trying to trying to show our staff is that if they're not doing their job well, our default position is we've not given them what they need to do their job well. Mm -hmm. And so I just had this conversation with them the other day. I'm like, hey, if something is going wrong, like we're going to assume that it's a systems issue mm -hmm. and somehow we've not given you what you need to do well. Now, eventually it'll be that somebody is in a position that they're not a good fit for. Right. 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 Like, mm -hmm. and then it's still our fault <laughs> because we didn't put hire the there. right person. You right. put them there. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. we didn't vet them well. We didn't hire. Yeah. But our office is a little chaotic right now just because we've had so much growth lately mm -hmm. that, um, you know, we've had to bring on more front office staff. We've just recently brought on a nurse practitioner to help out. And so, yeah, I mean, from that leadership and what have I learned, I think it's that people want to do well mm -hmm. if you create a culture in which that is expected. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've loved about the business the whole time since we opened as an addiction office is our clients can expect to never get treated as less than because the owner himself is an opiate addict. So mm -hmm. what my staff is going to talk down to somebody right. because they struggle with addiction Right. Like, and so that's, that's the team that we're building. And I think Megan and I, I feel like that we do, the feedback that I get from our staff is that we do a good job of being approachable, mm -hmm. that we do a good job of creating a culture in which it's fun to come to work. Mm. So even in the middle of the chaos, like we have fun together. That's awesome. We don't take ourselves too seriously. I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. It's like um, one of our new hires, um, she told her husband that, yeah, I've never worked with a doctor who was this kind. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I think it comes down to like, I don't care about the doctor title. Yeah, it's, right. it's what I do. Mm -hmm. Right. But right. I right. mean, I'd rather have fun at work. And I'd rather, I think in the emergency department, very much it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. And I think Megan and I both coming from the emergency department, we translate that into the office. Mm -hmm. right. So there's not this huge hierarchy of you know, right. the staff, I mean, so I'm dad and Megan's mom, mm -hmm. right? And our office manager is um, is Aunt Debbie. Like, right. Right. you know, right. we uh, we hired a guy named Jonah Wolf, and we Megan and I just finished watching Ozark, and there's Jonah Bird on there. So he's Jonah Bird. He's Jay Bird at the office. So <laughs> That's hilarious. He actually has changed his name on Facebook to Jonah Bird. <laughs> <laughs> His wife is like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's just the, I mean, I think it's important to have a fun culture and yet uh -huh. still do the mm -hmm. job well right. and take good care of the people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I try to, you know, back speaking to the leadership side, like I try to get feedback from our staff. Like, 
what can I do better for you? Or how can Megan and I serve you better? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you need from us? And, you know, sometimes it's been like, we're not necessarily great at communication in the midst of the chaos of like, mm-hmm. these are the things that are changing because everything's moving pretty fast. And right, it's hard to keep up with it. I feel like mm-hmm. that we're <clears throat> driving the bus as we build the bus, <clears throat> and then we're doing maintenance on the bus. And then at the same time, I'm going back through medical school as I'm learning functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And right. so there, the bandwidth is thin. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that we've had to learn is like, okay, we've got to communicate what the next two steps are with our staff so that they feel included. Mm-hmm. So right. that's great. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming today and giving us all your wisdom. I, I appreciate it so much. Just and being honest about your journey. Yeah. I mean, owning just, your junk. That's, that's amazing. That's you know, I think there's so much power in that. There right? truly is. Yeah. Because when I put these moral failures out on Facebook and YouTube, I, I take a bullet out of your gun. What you're going to come at me and be like, Oh, I heard you cheated on your previous wife. I'm like, bro, like, I put that out there. I own right. that narrative. <laughs> right. Like, you got to find some fresh dirt <laughs> right. if you're going to come Good at luck me because I yeah. took that weapon away from you. Right. You know, totally. now there needs to be some time between. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I don't right. air this stuff as it's happening. Right. Uh, in fact, <coughs> when we were going through that five and a half years ago, I have two really good friends who aren't believers. I didn't share it with them. Uh. I didn't want wisdom coming in from other angles, uh-huh. you know, and uh-huh. so. Um, I think there needs to be some healing. If I were, you know, two weeks into my recovery from right. opiates, I don't think I'd be blasting that on social media. Right. Right. At least right. not the way that I have. Mm-hmm. But when there's been some tincture of time and some healing mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. put it out there, then my goal is like through that transparency of what Megan and I have been through, like we want to have impact. Mm-hmm. You know, we want right. to have impact in the world. And I think that if we're always hiding behind a facade that we always get it right. Right, it's hard to do. It's yeah. hard to have impact. It because, totally is. You know, the only reason Dave Ramsey has a platform is because he went bankrupt in the 80s. Right? Right. If he's born mm-hmm. with a silver spoon in his mouth, it's like, okay, well, you're just another rich dude telling me how to right. handle money. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. right. you know, and mm-hmm. so in the marriage space, in the addiction space, I feel like that's a place where we can actually help people to heal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so if we have people that want to reach out to you or try to find you, like how do, what's the best way for them to reach out and find you? So probably the best way is to call or text the office. Okay. It's what's the number? 317-300-4091. Okay. It is kind of nice that if you don't like to talk on the phone, you can actually just text now. Oh, nice. And then so our, you can call or text? Yeah, call or text. Great. And then our website is pretty straightforward, alphaomegawellness.com. Uh, Dot com. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much again for coming and spending time with us today and sharing your story. It's that's an amazing, I've is great insight to yeah um, your journey and how how impactful you are now. And so I'm super excited about your growth. Well, thank coming. you, and I appreciate so. you guys having me. It's an honor, honestly, really. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll All be right. back with you guys here in just a moment. Well, Jason, that was very, um, I loved listening to him talk about how real life is. Yeah. I, I really appreciated that he's being able to bring that reality and that realness to his patients. Like, yeah. I think that 
he has God has gifted him with a lot of wisdom over the years in even even in some of the struggles and some and some of the good times I'm sure mm-hmm. but it is amazing um, how well he brings that reality to light for others as well as in all recognizing helping others recognize he made a mistake at different times like it was yeah. like his life is not perfect but he's willing to own it and he's also willing to improve it mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I I admire anybody who's willing to be as transparent as he was. Yes. Um, you know, in a in a public forum that, you know, here's here's how I've messed up and here's how um, I'm putting life back together on the backside. Right. You and know? I, I love the fact that he's like, and I'm not a victim. Mm-hmm. I made choices and I'm responsible for them. Yeah. And I'm going to make better choices moving forward because I'm responsible for them. Right. Right. And so... You know, there's so many people out there that I, I think that I bump into oftentimes that struggle with the victim mentality. And it's and it's it's one of those things that's kind of consuming our culture a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about, you know, taking responsibility, owning your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about it a lot, unfortunately, in the political landscape of yeah. our nation. How would our nation be different if our leadership owned our own actions. Yes, <laughs> I agree. You know, what a difference it would make. Totally. Just to say, yeah, I screwed up. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, a lot of people don't let you recover from your wrongs. Mm-hmm. You know, I sure. screwed up and, you know, so they paint you into a corner and you're right. always that kind of person, right? Right. That we can't change. Right. But Dr. Dibani is evidence that there is change. There is change. <laughs> you can come back from mistakes, from major ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't matter what that looks like, like what depth, uh, how, mm-hmm. how, I mean, because one person's super bad could be another person's bad. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, it's all, if it's a bad decision, it's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. However you want to rate that, right? Right. I feel like our, our society puts ratings on that kind of stuff because... They, somebody needs to, right? But if it's bad, it's just bad. You know right, what I mean? So right. like, but that means also on the flip side of that coin, if it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you're trying to make a decision to make a positive decision moving forward, when you initially start out, it's not easy. Right. And there's a long road. And he's he's learned a lot in the time frame. And he's also been able to help people through a lot mm-hmm. because of that, which is an right. amazing decision to like you said, like to be able to share that in such a public forum and be real about it. Right, right. Well, and I'm just putting two and two together now because we, you know, full transparency when we record the interview was prior to us recording the intro and the outro today, right? Right. And so I'm just now thinking about we started this episode with the joy experience, right? Right. And you know, I mentioned that you know I, I often look at the points of pain and what I've learned. Mm-hmm. And now how, here we've had an interview of like, here's what I've learned from my pain, mm-hmm. right? right? So maybe that's a second list we need to, we do need to keep um, to, to remind us, you know, mm-hmm. of, of not not rolling back into our old patterns, our old right. habits and, you know, behaviors, because we're drawn to that. Right. And I would say that, um, I, I think Dr. Dibani would also say this as well. It's like, those were, those were learning points. Yes. Yeah. Let's not focus on them. Let's recognize right. it for what it is and learn from them and then move forward to the better decisions mm-hmm. so that we can focus on the joys and some of these other decisions that are yeah. being made. Because yeah. I think you're right. I think we can get stuck in the whole idea of these are the pain points. This right. is what I learned. Right. But, you know, it, 
in as a society, I think we focus on the pain side and things and we the do. bad stuff. We do. Like, I mean, it's hard to watch the news and find anything positive, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was some joy in somebody's life, but nobody cared. You know what I mean? Right. Because it didn't sell the news. And yeah. We focus negatively. We so, should be able to learn from our pain points. Right. I totally There agree. is always a lesson in that. Totally agree. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, focusing on the moments learned in joy, we've got to nail that. Yeah. Because that, that is a, like a buoyancy for our spirit, for our, right. for our own outlook and attitude mm-hmm. in life. Well, and even Dr. Dabani said, you know, my wife and I's relationship at this point is by far better than anybody else's. I mean, like, I'm sure of it. Like he's like, right. I, I'd put our relationship up, uh, up against a test right. against somebody right. else. Like, so, which is awesome. That's got to mm-hmm. be great joy in knowing that yeah. they has an awesome relationship with his wife now. Yeah. So in th- now, as well as with his kids, I'm sure that mm-hmm. it's rock solid as well. So right. hopefully it was great to have him today. Yeah. Thanks D for being on. Yes, for sure. And, uh, you know, you guys, um, Drop us a line over at leadingisserving.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Um, if you love the work that we're doing, there's a little button to donate uh, a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just to, you know, uh, let us know how this is, uh, how this podcast has brought you joy this year. That yeah. would be really cool. That and would be a great, what a Christmas present. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Oh, it would be. So, I, I mean, this, thought about this that. is coming out a couple days before Christmas. Right. And then our inbox is full of people going, this is joyful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. You write one, I'll write one. Okay. Um, I'll get my mom to write one day. There you go. <laughs> no. We love you guys. Thank yep. you for sticking with us um, through the year. And have we a great Christmas. Have a great Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.